Welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. If you have anything to do with employment law, or if you've accepted a job in the last 20 years or so, you probably heard something about employment at will. Where did it come from? What does it mean? And most importantly, what does it do for employers today? That's what I'll be talking about in this episode. Let's start with a simple classic statement of employment at will. Employment at will means either you, the employee, or the employer can end the employment relationship at any time for any reason or for no reason. I should add, the reason cannot be illegal, and we'll come back to that. Also, note that by its nature, employment at will has no set term. It could last a day, a week, a month, or years, but every day is a new day, and the employee has no expectation of continued employment. The employment at will doctrine dates back to a legal treatise from the 1870s, written by a guy named Horace Wood. In fact, employment at will used to be referred to as Wood's Rule. The doctrine was not immediately accepted in the 19th century, but over time, certainly by the 1930s, it was the default legal rule for American employment. That means that unless you had a written agreement to the contrary, your employment was at will. And that is still the case in most all of the United States. The only state that does not have employment at will as a default rule is Montana. So what does it mean if employment is not at will? Well, it means that the employer has to have good cause to terminate an employee. In other words, the employer has to have a good reason, as opposed to any reason or no reason under employment at will. In most cases, it's an implied contract. I should also mention that there are a lot of non-at-will employment arrangements out there. This usually involves employees with contracts. One of the biggest examples of this is a unionized workforce operating under a collective bargaining agreement. Such employees are not at will. Their collective bargaining agreement, which is really just a group employment contract, spells out the circumstances under which termination can occur. Another example would be professional athletes. They often belong to a union with a collective bargaining agreement, but they're also able to negotiate separate contracts with their employers. Again, these agreements govern the terms of separation from employment and often have specific time periods. Another example are high-level executives at corporations, like the CEO. Such employees usually are not at-will employees and have contracts with specific terms of employment and clauses relating to termination and various benefits and entitlements depending on which party elects to end the relationship and under what circumstances. But turning back to employment at will, it was a huge deal in the 90s when I started practicing law. This was because employers were still seeing claims that employees couldn't be discharged at the whim of the employer usually because of some statement, oral or written, that was made at some point in the employment relationship. One classic example that came up often was a statement during a job interview along the lines of, do good work and you'll always have a job here. When an employee was later terminated, he or she would argue that the employer had to prove that the employee was not doing a good job to establish cause for the termination. Of course, employers did not like the idea that they had to make a case to discharge an employee. The response was to clarify the at-will nature of employment. This was done in offer letters, handbook acknowledgments, and a lot of other places. There was also a lot of litigation over the years about the whole at-will doctrine, and eventually the issue was more or less resolved. Over time, the courts approved certain language, and the legal boundaries were drawn. 
For their part, employers adopted handbooks, offer letters, agreements, and policies, making it clear that at-will employment was the rule. Except in Montana. But let's leave the 43rd most populous state alone for the purposes of this discussion. So in this world of at-will disclaimers everywhere you look, employers could terminate, well, at-will, right? Not so fast. Remember I mentioned earlier that under at-will employment, you can terminate for any reason that is not contrary to the law. Years ago, I taught employment law in an MBA program, and we covered employment at will every year. I always use the same analogy, although I don't claim ownership. I'm not sure who came up with it. But the analogy is that employment at will is like a pie, and the government and courts have taken some slices out of the pie. So you can terminate an employee for any reason, but you cannot terminate an employee because of their race, because that is illegal. So race is one slice of the pie that has been taken by state and federal anti-discrimination laws. Courts have also taken some of the pie. Most states recognize a so-called public policy exception to employment at will. This means that employers are not permitted to terminate employees for reasons that would violate a clear public policy. A classic case involved an employee who was terminated for refusing his employer's demand that he lie under oath, that is, commit perjury. Although there was no law on the books that said you could not be discharged for refusing to commit perjury, the court held that allowing such a scenario would violate the clear public policy favoring truthful testimony, as evidenced by perjury being against the law. So where does that leave us? Well, let's consider our at-will pie again and the slices that have been removed. We have the public policy exception from the courts, and state and federal laws have also removed the following reasons. Race, national origin, color, sex, including orientation and gender identification, pregnancy, religion, age over 40, disabilities, which are broadly defined, the use of various kinds of leaves of absence, making a worker's compensation claim, complaining about various violations of employment laws, reporting violations or suspected violations of other laws, military service, and those are just common state and federal laws. Some states and municipalities have other laws protecting things like appearance, lawful conduct outside of work, political activity, and much more. And this is far from an exclusive list, by the way. Here's the larger issue. I'm not suggesting that laws against discrimination are bad, but the broad scope of such laws creates a systemic problem for employers. Remember that the whole reason employers find at-will employment attractive is that they can just discharge someone without cause. They don't have to make a case to do it. Theoretically, an employer of an at-will workforce could decide that today he or she will discharge every employee wearing a blue shirt, and under employment at will, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem in the current legal environment is that it would be foolish in most cases to discharge without having a good, well-documented reason. Not because you have to establish cause, but because you may have to establish that the reason was not one of the illegal reasons I just mentioned. If you say you terminated an employee for wearing a blue shirt, the employee may well argue that it was actually for an illegal reason, like age or race, because your reason makes no sense. So if we add up all of the illegal reasons for termination, including all of the potential claims that a termination fell within an illegal reason, our employment at Willpi is pretty much gone. So where does that leave us? Well, I'm not suggesting that employers stop using at-will employment 
although I'm not convinced that the possibility should be dismissed everywhere, although that's probably a topic for another episode. For most employers, making the at-will nature of employment clear does eliminate a whole range of contract and quasi-contract type claims, and that's a good thing for businesses. However, here's the takeaway. If you are terminating an employee's employment in the current legal and business environment, you cannot rely on the at-will doctrine to keep you out of trouble. You really do need to make your case for why you decided to discharge an employee to protect your business from any number of possible claims under the laws I mentioned and others. This may seem obvious to some people, but I'm often consulted on sensitive terminations for companies ranging from startups to nationwide businesses, and I still frequently get the question, can't we just terminate this employee because he or she is at will? Unfortunately for businesses, things are not that simple. Shifting gears, I mentioned a whole bunch of anti-discrimination laws earlier. You may have noticed that many employment discrimination laws are named based on acronyms. The Americans with Disabilities Act is the ADA, the Age Discrimination and Employment Act is the ADEA, and so forth. But the most well-known of all the anti-employment discrimination laws is probably Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Years ago, I remember doing a training on workplace discrimination and harassment, and Title VII came up, of course. I had a question from the audience. What are the other six titles? It took me a second to figure out what was being asked, but then I realized it's true that most people in the employment law world only know about Title VII and not the rest of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So let's take a quick look at the basics. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 was enacted on July 2, 1964. It actually has 11 titles addressing discrimination in several areas. Very briefly, these are the titles. Title I is Voting Rights. Title II addresses Public Accommodations. Title Three is Desegregation of Public Facilities. Title Four is Desegregation of Public Education. Title Five is the Commission on Civil Rights, and this expanded the Civil Rights Commission established by an earlier law from 1957, and this is not the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, by the way. Title Six is about non-discrimination in federally assisted programs. Uh, Title VII, of course, prohibits discrimination by employers on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, and also prohibits retaliation and various forms of association discrimination. Title VIII is registration and voting statistics and requires compilation of voter registration and voting data in certain areas. Title IX made it easier to move civil rights cases from state courts to federal court. Title X established the Community Relations Service, which is tasked with assisting in community disputes involving claims of discrimination, and it operates under the Department of Justice. And Title XI is a miscellaneous title. Among other things, it addresses the right to a jury trial in certain scenarios. One final thought. Most everyone has heard of Title IX in relation to discrimination in college athletics and on campuses. But this is not part of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It is Title IX of the Education Amendments Act of 1972. How many titles are in that law? Well, we'll save that for another episode. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast... 
please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.